This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. With the Calgary zone, drops to Pod Colson and a nice move around Rooney. Pod Colson to the net, he scores! The silly Pod Colson with a beautiful goal to get the Canucks on the board. They cut into the Calgary lead. Half on top of the point to Kuzmenko, right circle into the far corner for Pedersen. Center, he passed to the back door. Garland scores! And the Canucks tie the game with 131 left in the third. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Jacob Pelchin, Matthew Phillips, right circle to the back door. Michael Stone scores! And that'll do it. A nice one-timer from the left circle by Michael Stone. Beats Archer's Seelovs on the stick side. And the Flames get the overtime winner. Take it tonight in Vancouver by a final score of 3-2. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 3-2 in overtime as they open up their preseason at home against the Calgary Flames. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio and here with color commentator for Sportsnet 650 on the Canucks broadcast alongside Brendan Ambassador Randy Janda. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650. And get your thoughts in after the Canucks kick off their preseason with a loss in overtime against the Calgary Flames. And you know what? The Canucks came back and tied it late with a goal from Carner Garland on the power play to make it 2-2 to get to overtime. And uh, a bit of a, I mean, hey, it's preseason. I don't care. But a bit of a soft call on Vasily Putkolzin to put the Canucks down a man with two minutes remaining in the extra frame. And, well, Calgary makes pretty quick work of it. Michael Stone on the one-timer to end the game. But, hey, outside of the result and outside of, you know, regular preseason hockey, Randy, it was good to be back at the rink, wasn't it? There we go. We got the mic going here. We, um, it was great to be back. It was nice to have people in the rink. It was nice to be back. And, you know, that hope that every team has every, at the beginning of every year, you kind of tap into that here tonight as well. And Vasily Podkolzin, I know we're going to talk about him, but the entire 60 minutes, that was exciting to watch. That that buzz that he's been, he's been creating in the preseason, even during the offseason, I loved the start of his game down to the end of the game. You're right, Sat. That was a bit of a soft call. It was a clumsy, if anything, but it was a freak freak fall. I wouldn't say it was you know intended by any stretch. But overall, I think a couple of things we can focus on out of this game, Vasily Podkolzin, Played great. He was, he was strong throughout and physically strong throughout the entire game. Highlight real goal. Hey, Reach. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, we're all in preseason form. Very, yeah. uh, very preseason. <laughs> <laughs> like I said off the top of the show, you know, it's like I turned, I turned, I turned my our entire console off by mistake earlier. <laughs> I, the, the the most common phrase at the hockey rink tonight across the press box. It's preseason for all of yes. us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hardy, hard, hard. Um, but it looked like preseason on the way that uh, Vasily Podkolzin dangled around Kevin Rooney on that goal. <laughs> I mean, uh, look, and and yes, I know our listeners are going to go back to like, Reach was saying Vasily Podkolzin is terrible. Your mentions were filling up, we right? Should, we should stop uh, hyping him up. All I'm saying is the hype train is starting to get pretty, pretty fast for Vasily Podkolzin. And he looked great tonight. The physicality, scores a goal, everything you want to see from Pods, you saw tonight. But, you know, it's still a lot to ask for him to put together that over an 82-game season. So are you going from being a Petters, a, a put coals in doubter to, to the conductor of doubter, the train all of a sudden? And I'm nor the conductor of the train. <laughs> I'm just saying 
He's, if Pod Colson ends up with like 30 points, you know, like that's that's still an okay sophomore season, right? Like I, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not here to say that Pod Colson isn't going to be the power forward that everybody, every Canucks fan wants him to be. But like, don't be disappointed when he puts up 30, 35 points this year. I am a passenger on the hype train. I, I like what I'm seeing. I'm not saying he's going to go nuts and have an unbelievable season, but the fact is. Physically engaging was the key part, right? What were things that we saw last year when his confidence fell? You didn't really notice him. Yeah. This year, if somebody engages back with him, he's there. I, I like that. He was engaging with DeSimone. He was engaging with Gilbert. He was engaging with you know, Klapka, who who took a, yeah. a, a proper beating from Vincent Arsenal later on in the game. But the fact is, Vasily Podkolzin was engaged, and you saw that skill shine. So, Look, I get it. You love to see it. It's it's great. You Scored can't expect goal, it every single game, and I get that. You know, I get that. Training camp. We've already seen Pod Colson start on the right side, and they didn't like it, so they flipped him back on the left with Garland around Horvat. Mm-hmm. And what did Boudreaux say about that? You know, he gets a little bit too on himself about every little mistake that he yeah. makes. He's kind of a perfectionist. So, you know, I, there's still some growing, some maturity that um, that Vasily Pod Colson has to do. Well, that's why I think scoring that type of goal, Dan. Great for a guy who gets down on himself early, right? Yeah. Get you know has a bit of issue with confidence every once in a while. Still a young guy, right? Trying to make it happen. For him to score score that goal should go a long way for him to up that confidence. What do we want to see from put goals in? Be more assertive. Take take matters into your own hands. You saw it as last season grew, and you saw how much of an impact he made late in the season. So I'd say you know forget everything. Yeah. More than anything, he's a guy based on everything we've heard. Build your confidence up before the season starts. And we saw that with the opening shift. I think that was something yeah. he was trying to set the tone. Now, Reach, to your point, can he continue it? Are there going to be valleys? Of course there are. That, that's a, what happens with a young player. But I think the fact that is, you know, the starting point seems like it's quite high thus far. That's a good sign for the Canucks. It's uh, it, Pod Colson with a great night. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, who else really stood out for the Vancouver Canucks? And I guess I would say Rathbone is probably the next name on my list of Canuck that stood out. He had some moments that were okay, not still not the cleanest with your with your moves and, and still turning the puck over maybe in a, in a spot I wouldn't like you to. But, you know, overall, Bruce Boudreaux kind of gave Jack Rathbone the keys tonight and said, let's see what you can do, kid. And it helped that they had so many power plays, but does it say something that they didn't score a goal on any of those power plays? Yeah, the power play is a work in progress, and I think there's a couple of things we can point out on, you know, the Rathbone's aspect, but, you know, Connor Garland on that half wall to me is something that I look I, have, at. I, mean, I know Connor Garland scored a goal tonight, and it's just On the power play, though, Sad, it was... Hey, he was hey, god-awful hey. tonight. Whoa, Come on, let's whoa. not mince where... Hey. I know he scored a goal, Shorty but Connor Garland... called him the number one star. I don't know. He, he <laughs> on the power play, it wasn't good, though. <laughs> no, like, I don't like that spot on the power play for him. Hey, listen, I, I'm not down on Garland, but... He was bobbling pucks. He wasn't clean. He's not a preseason player. We saw this, we saw Big this goal. last year. No, yeah. we saw the exact same thing from la- like yeah. from Connor Garland last year. He's just uh, – and I said this to you during the game, set. Like, Connor Garland is not a player who can play at 70%. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's fair. <laughs> he's got to be 110 or it's just it's just not going to work. You're right. Okay, you know? what do you guys think about his his spot on the power play? I know JT Miller occupies that generally, but to me – So what I think is interesting about yep. that – I mean, in an ideal world, you have Kuzmenko on the left half wall there, yeah. right? He's a right shot. Yes. You could probably set him up for the one-timer. 
but they chose to have him net front. And I wonder if that's, you know, maybe auditioning to see who they like better, Besser or Kuzmenko in that spot. And also potentially if, if Besser is not playing yeah. for a while, right? That's a, that's a big question right now too. So if somebody is occupying that role in power play one without Besser there, maybe that's, to your point, auditioning for that. Randy Janda, are the Canucks going to have any forwards <laughs> left by the start of the season? <laughs> Everybody's going Let's not even get into that one yet. Yeah, we'll get an update from Coach to see what his status is. Got, he took a hard hit in the second period, did not return afterwards, and we'll yeah. see where, he, where he's at. But, you know, going back to what you, what you were just mentioning, Dan, you know, for all the opportunities that this team is able to provide guys and, and all the things that could happen for this team, they really, really need somebody to step up, right? They yeah. need somebody to kind of move up. They need somebody else to move forward and assert themselves. And, you know, I, I look at a guy like Connor Garland, for instance, and it's like he's not going to be the guy. The reason he gets that position, I think, was by default, to your point, because you're not going to be playing Kuzmenko there if you're going to try him in the net front spot, especially with Brock Besser and some of the confidence stuff too. And he even mentioned that on the power play, on the net front, he's still getting used to that, right? You're not taking JT Miller off. You're not taking Horvat off the bumper spot with that shot. I mean, Hughes is Hughes and Pedersen is playing that spot. It really comes down to Besser, to your point there, Dan. Can Kuzmenko show he can do what Besser can? And is that the spot that potentially could be up for grabs? And, and I don't know if he's going to be able to do it because I, I think ultimately they go with that five-man unit. But I think the reason you saw the power play be the way it was tonight, to your point, was about yeah. that more it, than anything. It was less about, you know, where we want to see Garland. It was more about where we want to see Kuzmenko. Um, at least that's the way I took it. And uh, was it great? I mean, obviously, with all the power plays they had, they couldn't score a goal. But the first power play they had, they were able to get off the low high play to Horvat, and it was obviously stopped by Dustin Wolf. But, it, you know, like that's one of the things that this Canucks power play is going to want to do, and Kuzmenko uh, from the hop showed that uh, he understood that. And timing will also be something that both all of these guys figure yeah. out, especially that, you know, Elias Pedersen passed to Kuzmenko. You can tell he's maybe not ready for that quick pass. That was a tap, and he missed it. Yeah, yeah. he missed it. He flat out missed it. It actually hit a skate and, you know, ended up going by the net. But that was a great play from Pedersen where, you know, we talk about players that look good tonight. Elias Pedersen looks sharp. Looks sharp. You know, I'd say, you know, Rathbone stood out because he flashed a lot of the talent. Yep, got a lot of ice time, too. He did. But but I'm with you, though. I think Pedersen was probably probably Canucks' best skater tonight. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that what we should expect? Yeah. Like, I, I guess what I liked about it is he looked super engaged, even though it was the first preseason game of the year. He has something to prove. Yeah. Especially after last year where you feature in one game. You pick up, what, a couple of points, but, you know, that obviously hurt him as the season started. But, yeah, guys, that, that whole first half of the season as a whole is something that he wears. And I think Brock mentioned it with you guys. He's got a chip on his shoulder on Canuck Central last week. There was, uh, there was a texter in the first intermission that said, Pedersen's playing well. He doesn't have any points against a bunch of AHLers. What do you mean he's playing well? <laughs> It's like, well, are you even watching the game? Uh, it's preseason. You can't get – No, I, I, aside from the idiocy of the text, um, it's, it's more – Please text in, though. <laughs> Please. Please send more idiotic texts. It's, it's more about, like, just what he was doing, you know, the way he saw the ice, um, how he was reading the plays a couple of times on the – 
even on the power play, there was a couple of moments you could see the puck getting loose and a, and a chance for the Flames to clear. He would wheel around and find a way to keep it in the zone. Like he just, his anticipation was there. His vision was there. He was engaged physically. Uh, obviously, he makes the pass to Garland on the tying goal. Everything about Pedersen's game was on tonight other than the fact that, you know, he didn't get a goal to reward it. Well, the disappointing thing for me is, and you can't control injury, but seeing him maybe a little bit more on the PK with McKayev, obviously that's a pairing that they're going with. Would have loved to see that throughout the night just to see if they can build a little bit yeah. more chemistry. One guy brings the smarts and the speed. Pedersen brings the smarts, so gifted. And that's going to be the power kill tandem, right? Yeah. So hopefully the McKayev's injury is not serious. Hopefully it's not something that holds him out of the lineup, and we can get back to seeing that pretty soon. Yeah, hopefully. I, uh, I was kind of interested that we saw Connor Garland on the uh, penalty mm-hmm. kill tonight. I think they've been listening to uh, <laughs> to all the radio shows talking about how else can you use him. Well, we, well, just, we just talked about, like, you're never really going to use him on the power play, at least not the main unit. No, uh, but one of the things that's been talked about so much is the analytic department yeah. and the and the influence they've had with the coaching staff. And last year at Connect Central, we talked about that, how there was already some of that happening, especially mm-hmm. with Brad Shaw, where they were, they were listening to the analytics department about certain ideas for the penalty kill and power, power kill, kill, power kill stuff. Kill, power kill, yeah. And one player that, that, to your point, has been identified as a potential interesting power kill candidate has been Connor Garland. So I wonder how much of that is also – from the analytics department saying, hey, listen, guys, there could be something here because the numbers suggest he could be interesting. Yeah. Let's try it out and let's see what it does. Yeah, so there, it, it's not like a go-to option. You know, it's not, hey, two minutes on the clock, let's get Bo Horvat and Connor Garland out there or Jason Dickinson, and, like Car- Curtis Lazar and Connor. Gar- no, I, I think it's similar to how they used Pedersen on the, on the PK last year where he'll come in on the fly and – be an option to go to to potentially uh you know help the pk out because look when he when he is playing well anticipation is there he gets to lose pucks he wins board battles he turns pucks over you know garland does a lot of the things that you would like to see and i think that's one of the reasons i would like to see it continue more beyond just preseason. It's in contrast to what we saw last year. Last year, at the beginning of the year, it looked like this team was searching for options and they couldn't find a single one. Now searching. You, they used the same eight guys, despite yeah, how many goals they kept getting scored then on. Then, but not break, but they were broken every single game, right? <laughs> and that was kind of the strategy where now yeah. you've got probably six guys, mm-hmm. if not eight guys, that you can cycle through. Your boy, Phil DiGiuseppe, is doing it as well. Which DiGiuseppe. You, DiGiuseppe. I'm sorry, Ed. How, how excited were you today for DiGiuseppe and DeSimone being on the lineup? DeSimone. DeSimone. Yes, here, uh, I was waiting for uh, Phil DiGiuseppe to show me mo- that he's more than a name, but he hasn't so far. Though. There you go. He had a couple of okay shifts tonight. <laughs> I just like teasing Dan. Randy, great stuff alongside Brendan Bassler today. We look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good rest of the broadcast. All right. Uh, you got Shouts it. Shouts to your Dolphins, man. 3-0. Stay off that bandwagon. <laughs> I, I see. Uh, I see. Riccio is is eyeing that bandwagon. Like, like I even saw a tweet. He's like, well, that's that's an impressive win oh, by he, the Dolphins. He's the uh, he's the meme with the guy walking with his girlfriend, hey, looking at his ex. Yeah. That Riccio is that with the Seahawks. You know what's right more now. impressive? Losing to the Atlanta Falcons at home. Oh, yeah, that's yes. 
One in 16 is on, baby. CJ Stroud. It's going to be the greatest troll job of Russell Wilson of all time. Richo had a uh, sports fan midlife crisis where he, he traded in the fandom <laughs> of the safe fandom of the Miami Dolphins safe. for the Flash. Yeah, we say, you know what to expect. Disappointment. Yes. And then instead, you went with the flash and dash of uh, Russell Wilson to let it cook. Well, then now he's been there for two years. Now he's trying to crawl back to his. Oh, man. He no, played the stock market like, wrong. Like, yeah. no, he nobody. bought a blue chip, blue chip and it, it completely tanked. <laughs> it tanked. Uh, great stuff, Randy. Uh, we'll chat Randy soon. Canucks lose 3-2 on home ice against the Calgary Flames. One game of the split squad game. Another game is going on right now in Calgary. Canucks sending a far weaker lineup to Calgary, and they're down 3 nothing in the third period as we speak right now. Phone boards are open, 604-280-0650. You can also hit us up on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Canucks lose 3-2 in overtime. It is Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio on Sportsnet 650. We have time to go to the phone boards right now. So we, let's go to Gord and Coquitlam, who's on the line. Gord, thanks for calling in. Uh, what you got for us tonight, buddy? Hey, Gord, I was just at the game. You know, I, uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but I was really impressed with 26, Kalinyuk on defense. Mm. I thought he played a strong game, moves well, fast, he hits. I was more impressed with him than Rathbone. And uh, I would I would personally put him, based on one game, one game only, okay, which I know is not fair, I would put him higher on the depth chart than Rathbone. And I thought Seeloff looked a lot more solid. He exudes a lot more confidence than, than Stephen Martin did, I thought. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Gord. Um, I uh, what what I found funny about that was Stephen Martin. I'm yes. just picturing Steve Martin between the pipes for the Canucks. I know he meant Spencer Martin, but yeah. I just I, when he said Stephen Martin, all I can picture now is Steve Martin. I've been you know on Netflix, you keep like yeah. they give you suggested movies. They keep <laughs> suggesting planes, trains, and automobiles, and like Steve okay. Martin. So I just I don't, I don't like Steve the Martin. stuff Netflix <laughs> recommends to me. Okay. <laughs> Why do you think I want to watch Dahmer? I mean, I, I don't understand. No, um, I, I, I watched like five minutes of that. I'm like, I'm good. No, this, I'm, I'm good. I don't need this in my life. I'm good. Um, so uh, what I was going to say, uh, what, what I found funny about Gord's uh, comment, Sat and I were doing something uh, during the game where it was like, all right, preseason hot takes. <laughs> and uh, I feel like, hey, Gord came in with his own all of a sudden, right? Uh, Kalanick should be above Rathbone on the depth chart. That's a pretty fire take. Silovs is. is better than Spencer Martin. That's a pretty fire take. I will say about Kalinic though, I turned to you a few times yes, during the game, and I'm like, you know what, 26, he looks good, moving yeah. around well, making good decisions. He got burned a couple times, a couple moments. He or got whatever. burned on the well. well is I mean, is that what, McKay have had the neutral zone turnover, and yeah. everybody was kind of scrambly. After and then that. he was supposed to, he was supposed to cover the center of the ice to kind of stop skating. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened on he that. He got play. caught in between. Yes. But I do agree with Gord's overall sentiment, though, about how Kalinic looked. Because I thought he looked pretty good and steady. I was I was impressed. Of all the guys that I was not expecting anything from, that I'm like, okay, well, let's see what they do. He's the guy that stood out to me the most. Now, So I, if, if you're looking for depth on the left side, I, I think, you know, for me right now, the Canucks' best three left side defensemen are, well, if you exclude Hughes, who's right now playing the right side. OEL, Dermot, Rathbone. Uh, you could probably make a fair case that Kalanuk is ahead of DeKaiser. I mean, 
You know what? We'll talk about Danny DeKaiser on the other side. You want to talk about hot takes? That's not one. All right, 604-280-0650. Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. Our text message inbox. Canucks lose 3-2 on home ice in overtime against the Calgary Flames. We'll get to more of your reaction and more of our breakdown. We'll talk about Danny DeKaiser, the defenseman on a PTO. That and more right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Now, more of the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Connor Garland, right wing to center for Tyler Myers. Into the Calgary zone, drops to Pod Colson. Made a nice move around Rooney. Pod Colson to the net. He scores! Vasily Podkolzin with a beautiful goal to get the Canucks on the board. They cut into the Calgary lead and make it 2-1. Canucks come back, tie it, force overtime. However, the Calgary Flames are victorious, 3-2 in overtime against the Canucks. And they dropped the first game of the preseason. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio. Get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll get to those coming up in a couple of minutes. And get your calls in as well, 604-280-0650 is the number to call. We'll hear from head coach Bruce Boudreau, who will speak after the game. And we'll get his comments on Ilya Mikheyev and everything he saw tonight in the Canucks loss. The Canucks are playing a split squad game in Calgary as we speak. Well, not much going well for the Canucks in that one. They're currently down 3 nothing with under 10 minutes to go in the third period. It, a pretty weak lineup. The only real NHLers that are going to be on this team, Travis Dermott on the back end, and up front it's Dickinson, Lazar, Dakota Joshua, and Niels Hoaglander. Those are the only real notables that are playing in that game in Calgary. So we'll get a word from Jeremy Colleton postgame about what he thought he saw in that game. But as far as this one here is concerned, Dan, uh, you did mention Danny DeKaiser and uh, where he ranks on the Canucks depth chart. He is on a professional tryout. Yeah. And the one thing I will preface this by saying is – uh, Wyatt Kalanick would be ahead of Kaiser on the depth chart right now. And that's not a hot take, I don't think. It's yeah. not. Because the Kaiser struggled today, and him and Myers did not look great as a pair. And I know it's only the preseason and all that sort of stuff, but what I wanted to see from DeKaiser was his mobility. Yeah. How do you move, and how does that kind of go for you, and all that sort of stuff. Didn't look great. Early on, kind of labored. I will say as the game mo- moved on, he-, he settled in. Now, was that because he settled in or the game kind of slowed and paced a little bit because it's preseason and all those sort of things? But I didn't see enough mobility from, from him to feel good about his chances of making the team. Now, it's only one game. He played three days in training camp. For veterans, that's tough too, especially guys like him coming off injury, not a lot of rest. The legs will be heavy today. They were going to be heavy for a lot of the veteran guys, especially guys like him. But if we're just going by what we've seen so far, uh, I, I I don't see after this game it being I, I don't see it I don't see a good pathway for Danny Kaiser after what I saw tonight. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the, the mobility it, we understood was an issue w- with everything we heard coming from Detroit when the Canucks signed him to a PTO. You know, we we talked to. Um, we talked to somebody out of Detroit about, you know, what went on with the Kaiser over the last couple of years, and it was just that, you know, the injuries had started to catch up with him. He's 32 now. 
just doesn't move as well as he used to because he used to be a guy that, even for his size, moved around pretty well, was not exactly the tough defenseman, even though he is a big, bigger player, but was really smart with his stick. Sort of a a modern-ish type defender, but I just didn't see any of it tonight. Yeah, no. Every time the Canucks were stuck in their own end, it was like, hey, there's uh, Myers and DeKaiser out there again. I-, I noticed on a number of plays his passing wasn't crisp either, like not tape to tape, and it caused turnovers for yeah. the Canucks. And those are the types of things like, what are you giving me then? You know, like um, – it was uh, it was just a it was a tough night for DeKaiser, but I imagine he'll get another opportunity at some point here in training camp. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll probably get another game or so, but not the type of impression you wanted to make. The Canucks gave him a real chance tonight, playing yeah. with Myers on home ice in front of the coach. They didn't send him to Calgary to play in that game where it's kind of just like a get a done type of a game. Yeah. So. I think tonight was a real opportunity for him to show, and we'll hear from Boudreaux and all that sort of stuff, but he's going to have to look a lot quicker and, and show more mobility if he's actually going to have a chance to make this team. I mean, I'm completely with you. Kalinic, I thought, was was a far better defenseman tonight as far as what he showcased yeah. in the first preseason game. And, you know, the defense, um, they need somebody to step up on that left side and, and provide more depth. You know, they do also have Christian Milanen, who – is a bit of an NHL vet that they've they've signed to a depth role as well. So they they've got some players there, but right now I just and DeKaiser's on the PTO, so he has the most pressing roster decision to be made, and right now I just I don't see where the fit is for DeKaiser on the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and uh, we'll even s- in a penalty kill ace type of role, I mean No, I mean he's good on the PK. And you see why, because he's good at staying in his position. He clears he clears the net really well. He's got a good stick. He understands what to do. He's smart. It's just about moving around at even strength and doing a bit more. And not a lot there in his game. We have a lot of questions coming in. This one here uh, asking about his uh, about his D partner. How did Myers look tonight? I mean, hey, it's preseason. I didn't think he looked particularly good tonight. I'm yeah. not, you know, not a lot of guys look particularly good. But as far as trying to read anything into it, Myers is Myers. I don't think tonight's any indication one way or another. This one here asks us, thoughts on Kuzi's game, as in Andre Kuzmenko's? It was only the first time we get to see him tonight, um, and a bit of a mixed bag overall with what you saw. But what I take away from it in a positive way is showed a little bit of chemistry with Patterson. Him and McKayev, when they got in the offensive zone, that first shift, it created something. You know, They had a nice little give-and-go with Patterson and, and Kuzmenko. Kuzmenko draws a penalty. You see the smarts even on the power play. We mentioned him getting in the right spots, just not being able to finish the chances off and, no, and those sort of things. It wasn't a home run performance or anything from Kuzmenko, but I think he showed enough things to feel encouraged about his progress to North American ice. I feel Kuzmenko is going to be like the type of player that he is. He may not be overly noticeable, but is going to show up on the score sheet quite a bit in an ideal world. Yeah. You know, like that's tonight he wasn't great and he still had maybe three or four chances. Sure, there was a lot of power plays, so that that helps. Yeah. Um, but even the one play in the, I guess in the third period, Jet Wu sprung him for 
bit of a stretch pass, and he comes down the right wing and has got a free look on on Dustin Wolf, and Wolf makes a nice stop. So you know, like he's he's able to find space, and he knows like the offensive awareness is clearly there for yeah. Andre Kuzmenko. It's just, are you going to be able to score enough while you figure out how the nuances of playing in the NHL ice and in the best league in the world? And, and that kind of brings us to expectations for him, which yeah. which I have a hard time trying to craft. And I, I had all my hit with Murph on TV today, and he kind of asked about expectations. It was actually a hard question to answer because you and I have kind of been more measured in expectations. You know, where we're like, hey, if he scores 20 goals, gets 40 yeah. points – or that pace, that's pretty good for his first year in the NHL. And that's kind of what I said about that would be my expectation. It's a very safe expectation. Top six role, can you get half a point per game? Be on yeah. a 20-goal pace type of deal. And what you want to see is, are you showing enough skills and ability for that to be a possibility? And it's only the first preseason game. But he didn't show anything to make me think that's not attainable. Yeah, He didn't show me anything to think he can't hold up with the pace. It's the first preseason game, and even in the preseason, you know this as much as anyone, Dan, watching it for so many years, the pace changes midway through the preseason, a bit later in the preseason, and then the regular season. This is the first kind of pace test, and there's another couple levels to go before we even get to the regular season. But nothing tonight su- suggests that he can't keep up with the pace or that the game just moves too fast for him. And that, to me, was a positive. Yeah, we'll see how that holds up during preseason as the pace sort of picks up as we get closer to night one. But I've always thought the plan, at least in my head, should be we've got to give this guy five to ten games off the start of the regular season to see what he's got. Right? And if you're going to give him a chance, you got to give him at least a little bit of a runway, probably with Elias Pettersson, to see if it can work in in the NHL for Andre Kuzmenko. And when Pedersen plays the way he can, and he's on, he's dialed in the way he's showing right now, he can yeah. drag guys along with him. And it's a soft, nice landing spot for Kuzmenko early on. Go play with Pedersen. Don't expect to do too much. Just help him out a little bit, and hopefully things get going. But, hey, I like what I saw from Kuzmenko, his first test, and we'll see kind of how it builds from this point on. Um, Vic from Trail, PD and Pods were great tonight. PD was closing gaps all night. Great defensive game. Also, Wolf looked great as well. That is Vic from Trail to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox, 650-650. And it was funny. It was during the third period. We were watching the game. You turned to me, and you were referring to people texting into the text inbox saying, um, you know, the Canucks are making another backup goalie look great and all this sort of stuff. And you're like, why are people talking crap about Dustin Wolf? This guy's a good prospect. <laughs> He's one of the best prospects in the world. He was uh, among the best in the AHL last year, if not the best in the AHL last year. He led uh, the Stockton Heat pretty much to the Calder Cup uh, last year as well. So uh, not exactly a scrub, you know, um, but uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Uh, on the Calgary side, wasn't a ton that, that really stood out to me. I know Jacob Pelche for them is somebody that they're really excited about and they expect to play a big role or some kind of role with the NHL club this year. But if any Calgary flame stood out to me 
today it was uh, it was Matthew Phillips more than anybody else. Quick and shifty. Yeah. Uh, and shocker, he, I like the little guy who's quick and shifty. Unbelievable. No kidding, right? Like you, yeah, that, that's right <laughs> up your alley. But you know what? You turn. You like. I, mean, I have the same thing. I'm like, yeah. Here's Reach pointing out the little <laughs> little guy again. But he was good. Like yeah. he, he was good. Like I thought he was one of the more active players for the Calgary Flames here tonight. Uh, a lot of good reaction coming into the text inbox. Six fifty. Six fifty. You guys are so negative. Kuz was good and dangerous. Not sure what you're looking at. What was negative? <laughs> It's one thing to be like, (laughs) I was like, he didn't show anything bad. We're like, he was good. He didn't show anything negative. (laughs) You mentioned he had a couple of good chances at the end of the, like at the end of the day, I'm still a little bit skeptical about him being a big scorer uh, in in the regular season. We just got to see it though. You know what I mean? Like, I I, I don't know if he can or not because you just haven't seen enough from him yet. But I mean, everything I saw tonight from Kuzmenko was fine. He didn't dominate. Yeah. You know, he he didn't do anything spectacular, but, but he looked fine. What about Rathbone? I mean, we've talked about – we ended up talking about Kalanick and, and DeKaiser more than Rathbone already on this post-game show. Gordon Kukula, man, he was fired up about <laughs> Kalanick. Now, Rathbone, I thought he started off really good in the first period. Yeah. Really assertive, really trying to take control. Maybe try to do a bit too much as the game wore on, and maybe that's an indication of how much he was playing. He played over 20 minutes tonight. I mean, I wondered if the like in the third period, I wondered if the minutes started to catch up with him. You know, playing a lot. He played every situation: PK, yeah. power play. You know, he he was trying to protect the lead or trying trying to get the team back. And anytime they got him, then he was trying to get him out. And he really tried to be involved in everything. So maybe a bit of trying to do a bit too much. But the things that I liked about him, his reads were good. His pace is strong, really good stick work, great offensive instincts, just reeling in a little bit. I, I liked a lot of what I saw from Jack Rathbone tonight. One thing he's trying to do is he's trying to force the issue a bit. He's trying to show a little bit more, which I think is fine. And when you're playing with a guy like Luke Shen, it's kind of like, hey, go. Let's see what you can do. Show us everything. Yeah. Hone it in a little bit. But, uh, you know, I see people being critical of him on the text inbox. Some people talk about turnovers and stuff like that. The turnovers I saw weren't were kind of mistakes of ambition. And I can live with those sort of things. Yeah. So for me, the big one was, you know, there's like little things uh, on the power play, um, not seeing the pass across to Pedersen. Uh, I think this kind of speaks to your assertiveness, like he's trying to to do a lot. And there was a couple of times he just, like shot selection wasn't there. And he, he went for the shot you know, um, or shot quality wasn't there and he would take the shot from the point. Those are things, you know, you'd like to see a player notice where the better play is rather than settling for the shot. But the big turnover was just before the second goal for me. He's behind his own net, looking for an outlet pass, tries to go, comes out the left side of the net, tries to go cross ice, uh, diagonally towards the blue line. I believe it was to Garland standing on the right wing. I could be wrong on, on who it was waiting for the pass. But it gets turned over, and the Canucks scrambled. They couldn't get out of their own end. Petey had one moment where he poked the puck out of the zone, but then it comes right back in, and they're tired. Rathbone and Shen had been out there for yeah. forever. And, you know, like those are the kinds of things – that this team is really trying to enforce, right? Clean zone exits and trying to master that area of the game with their breakouts. 
So something to keep an eye on for Rathbone if he can be cleaner with those through preseason. Yeah, there's a lot of things. There's things he could clean up with his game. Uh, I liked what I saw overall with yeah, what he was trying 100%. to accomplish tonight. So uh, that's where I'm at. But, hey, what does the head coach think of Jack Rathbone's game? And also what happened tonight as the Canucks lost 3-2 in overtime. Ilya Mikheyev had to leave the game after taking a big hit. He did not return. And here is head coach Bruce Boudreaux talking about the game tonight. Well, I thought, you know, we never quit. I mean, it uh, would have been pretty easy. I mean, uh, they had seven power plays, I think, So, it's, uh, uh, but kept pushing through, pushing through, especially when we lost a player, you know, with 11 forwards. It gets a little more difficult when you're killing a lot of penalties, but um, I thought the never quit thing is an important uh, thing with us. It was last year. I think it will be this year. Nice to see Vasily take the puck to the net like that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. Uh, if he gets a little little confidence, he can be a dangerous player. What can you tell us about Mikhail? I can't tell you anything because I haven't talked to the doctor yet. So I'll, I'll know more tomorrow. Rathbone has three shots, nine attempts, three block shots. What did you think of his efforts? I, I thought he got better as the game along. He ended up playing 25 minutes. And was uh, uh, I, I, he started to look a lot more comfortable, you know, as, uh, out there. So uh, I think it was very positive what I saw from him. Think about Rathbone on that power play even. I know you said you got comfortable as the game went on, but that's a spot where he's probably never played with players that skilled before. What would you think about him in that spot there? Well, you know, he, he's good. I mean, when you're a good puck handler, you're a good puck handler, and when you gain confidence, and, and I thought he made some really good reads on that on the power play from the point. And uh, um, so, I mean, you know why he was one of the leading scorers in the American League from defense, so that's really good. It's a really good sign for us. What have you seen from the Kaiser through training camp and now first game action? Well, they, you know, I don't care how many years you play in the league. He looked a little nervous a little bit to me. Um, you know, it's the first time I'm sure he's ever been on a PTO. So, I mean, uh, but he's a big body. And, he, and again, I think he got a, a little bit smoother after the first period. I thought the, the first period, even though we competed, I thought they held the, the play, you know, two-thirds of the time. You gave him plenty of opportunities on the PK. Yeah, I mean, we were limited with, you know, who we had. So, uh, and you you never want to take more than two, three penalties a game. And we were up to seven. So it's uh, uh, when you don't have, and it's the same for both teams, but when you don't have both lineups you, where you can, you know, the, 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 like take last year the fourth line and the third line with penalty killing guys. And I didn't. No, uh, I didn't know some of these guys as well as I would have liked to. What did you think of the way that um, Myers and DeKaiser played off of each other? Um, I'll have to look at the tape a little bit more. I, I thought they, you know, I mean, they weren't great, but uh, they did you know, I mean, it's uh, the first time, and they played a lot of minutes, and, you know, probably minutes that they wouldn't normally play during a regular game. Did you oh. make a block with tonight? You know, you're asking me all these questions, and just it's tough unless you watch the video. But I mean, he killed penalties. I just would like a little bit more oomph from him somehow. I know he wasn't uh, going to play today. You said that yesterday. But is there an update on Brock? Do you expect that he'll practice when you guys are back? Um, again, it's a day-to-day thing that I got to keep asking the doctors and you know asking Brock and and how he feels, and if, I'd love to have him back on Tuesday, but I mean, because tomorrow's going to be a day off, And uh, but we'll see. Bruce, with Jet Wu, you moved him so that he scrimmaged three times during training camp, played on the PK, got shipped in overtime today. 
trying to see. And well, it, the trying to see, I, you know, I don't know. It's just see if he's capable of playing the NHL. But I, I just told Patrick I thought he played pretty well tonight. He, he handled himself well. He, uh, he can skate, which, you know, you never know how well there's minor league, sk- American league skating and NHL skating. And I thought he, he kept up with those guys, even though it wasn't their A team. They were big and physical, and they brought a lot to the table. How about Elias? Not just the play he makes on the Garland goal, but he seems pretty confident. Well, I, I don't think Elias is ever going to lose confidence. That's not what we have to worry about with him. But, no, he's he's a really good player. I mean, uh, uh, you, you get the really good players, and a lot of times it's preseason, and you know, and they're they're not playing uh, emotionally like the you know like a first year guy would, thinking it's got a chance to make the team. But, I mean, he was out there. He did he did some moves, a great pass on the on the tying goal. So, I mean, I know what I'm going to get from him. I don't know four face-offs for Bo in the first preseason game. Was that the, the plan to get him comfortable in there again? or is it No, it was just sort of uh, uh, all the special teams. He's, you know, 57% on the face-offs. He's our best face-off guy, so let's get him going. He struggled in the first period, picked it up really good in the second period. You know, and I mean, some of those, like even the overtime goal, it's just a mad scramble. It could have gone either way on the on the win or the loss. What do you think of uh, Kuzmenko and his adjustment from the North well, American he's, game? You know what I mean? He can shoot the puck. Uh, we see a lot of good things in him. I think it's an adjustment for him. Like he's looking at it and the size and the physicality. And uh, let's see him after but the sixth preseason game before you ask me that question. I, I know it's a team day off tomorrow, but Patrick had mentioned yesterday in Worcester that he thought the first round of cuts may come on Monday. Do you know if that's still? That's probably a possibility, but I mean... I mean, we can change our mind sure. every day. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to wake up tomorrow and go, okay, who? let's get a report. Who can practice Tuesday? Who can't practice Tuesday? And we'll, we'll figure it all out tomorrow, I would think. After a pretty heavy workload, three days of training camp, what was your impression overall of the intensity and the energy level that the group brought to the game tonight? Tonight? Like I, like I told Mike in the first period, I said, we usually the the visiting team at least early always comes out harder because it's usually the american league players and everything else and i thought competitively we were um we were fine but i mean uh, uh and i thought we got stronger in the third like we always do the first seemed to be always seems to be our weakest period since i've been here anyway and well we got better and better and i think we would have gotten better still if we had to stay out of the box about Spencer Martin, so a lot of action. He was good. You know, I mean, he'd like to have the second one back, but, I mean, there was an awful lot of mistakes before that puck went in. But uh, I, I thought he was pretty solid. That is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux after Canucks lost 3-2 on home ice against the Calgary Flames. And, uh, Dan, he, he had a, a number of interesting things to say. Let's start off with the updates on injured Canucks, the first one being on, on, on Ilya Mikheyev. No update. We'll yeah. know more tomorrow when he speaks to the doctors. A day off for the team, uh, but hopefully they have an update tomorrow. If not, we'll hear from them on Tuesday on that. Brock Besser is day-to-day, hoping yeah. he practices on Tuesday, but isn't exactly sure. I mean, we don't know anything about the Mikheyev one. You, you can take it at you can take him at his word. He hasn't spoken to the doctor. He doesn't know. He'll find out a bit later. But usually, you, you spread the word pretty quickly if it's nothing. Not to say it's something, it's something significant, uh, but but let's just say that I'm very curious to find out an update tomorrow. Yeah, it's um, you know, 
when it happened with Brock, they were just like, yeah, it's just precautionary. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I should correlate those two the same way, but, you know, and, and this is coming right after what happened with Brock on Saturday. But, you know, if it was uh, really almost insignificant, I think we would know. I, I think what this means, because usually when this precautionary, you're right. The coach knows at least the coach finds out. It's like he's like, hey, we're just going to keep him out. He's fine. We're just going to keep him out. Whether when they don't know, it's like we're evaluating. We're still evaluating, yeah. and that means you don't know yet. Which means it's probably not a one or two day thing. But hey, we don't know yet. No, no sense speculating on an injury update when we don't receive one. But that's the situation on, on Ilya Mikheyev and you know on Brock Fester. And as far as roster decisions, could see some cuts coming down tomorrow. Uh, but we'll see. He said he's he also left himself an out that it may not come tomorrow, despite management mentioning to Monday being a day yeah. where cuts can be made. And as far as the second game, the other game of the split squad in Calgary, Canucks lost 4 nothing. Not much to report from that one. But let's go through some of the things that Boudreaux said in addition to uh, some of those injury updates. People had a lot of questions about Rathbone and Kuzmenko. Let's start with Rathbone. What did you think of Boudreaux saying, looked comfortable, liked what he saw, very positive considering he played 25 minutes tonight? Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a huge chunk of minutes for Jack Rathbone. I, 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 I sort of mentioned, you know, like Boudreaux said he got better as the game went on. Um, it felt to me as though Rathbone started to tire a little bit in the third period. Um, but he did look really good in some moments. Uh, I really liked just you said the word assertiveness. And you felt that from Rathbone in the game. There's the play where he gets the, the clean look on Dustin Wolf. And if you're in the rink, you can hear him yelling at Bo Horvat <laughs> at the top of his lungs yeah. to give him the pass. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't hear that enough from players. That communication, that assertiveness. Hey, I want the puck. And... I, I think that's a big step for Jack Rathbone to be on the ice with, you know, a lot of the Canucks top players and still be like, hey, give me the puck, you know? I think what it was was a bit of a stress test. Yeah. Let's throw a lot at his plate and let's see how he handles it. This is what it's about. You're trying to test him a little bit. Yeah. How, how can you handle these situations? Can we count on you when you're tired? Can we count on you when we have to, you know, lean on you a bit more? I think that was part of why he played as much as he did, and, and that's why, even though it wasn't perfect, I think the coach came away being impressed with what he saw from Jack Rathbone. And as far as how Jack Rathbone felt about the game himself, well, we're going to play his audio post game coming up on the other side. Plus, we'll break down what, what the rest of what Boudreaux said specifically on a couple of key Canucks, including Andre Kuzmenko, who made his debut as a Canuck in the preseason in a 3-2 loss in overtime against the Calgary Flames. I'm Satsiar Shaw. He's Dan Riccio. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show. More coming up on the other side right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is Elias Pedersen of the Vancouver Canucks, and you're listening to Sportsnet 650 Radio. Welcome back to the Kintec Footwear and Orthotics Canucks postgame show. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Raffle on top of the point to Kuzmenko, right circle, into the far corner for Pedersen, center, he pass to the back door, Garland scores! Dustin Wolf stopped Connor Garland on the first attempt, but he got his own rebound, and the Canucks tie the game with 1.31 left in the third. 
Canucks tied it up, but falls short, losing 3-2 in overtime to start the preseason against the Calgary Flames. A split squad game, another game going on in Calgary. The Canucks lost that one 4-0. So not a great night for the Canucks in the preseason, but it is just preseason. Satyar Shaw with Dan Riccio, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we heard from head coach Bruce Boudreau, who spoke about Jack Rathbone, and we'll play what Jack Rathbone had to say about his performance tonight, playing over 25 minutes. Head coach was impressed. But, Dan, before we move to that audio, we did want to wrap up a couple of thoughts on what Boudreau had to say, especially on a player like Andre Kuzmenko said he can shoot the puck, a lot of good things, but made it clear it's only the first game of the preseason, and he asked to say, he also said ask again after the next six preseason games, and we'll get a good sense of where he's at. So the coach liked what he saw, but as we mentioned, it's one of those things. It's going to take some time to get a real indication of what he can do, but everything he showed tonight, even the little he showed, was all positive. So – the, the way I read Boudreaux's comments is simply like, I see a lot of offensive talent. I yes. love the shot. I love the idea of this guy can score goals. But he kind of looks a little bit lost out there sometimes as Gotta, he's yep. getting used to the game, yeah. getting used to the differences of the NHL game. That's that's all. That's not to be negative about it. It's just much like it was for Vasily Podkolzin last year. It's going to be a bit of a uh, transition period for Kuzmenko. I didn't see anything that made me think he can't figure it out. I saw a lot of positive things, but it was it was clear that, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to adjust, and that's what the preseason is for. And for the Canucks, hopefully, he gets closer and closer. And as the season goes on, he really hits his, hits his stride. But it's about being realistic, and it's about allowing some time to go go by until you kind of see what Andre Kuzmenko is and what he can provide. Uh, we'll get back to some of your thoughts that are coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, before we wrap it up for the evening. But before we do that, as we mentioned, here is the young Canucks defenseman Jack Rathbone talking about his performance tonight. Yeah, I think we uh, dug ourselves a little bit of a hole. Um, Marty made some big saves, could have been more than it was. And then uh, Ferrari coming a little cold there and put the performance that he did. And, um you know, I think we, we had some big big games out of our uh, top guys there. Um, able to claw back a little bit and obviously don't get the two points that you want. How about for you personally to play a lot and to play a lot on the power play as well? How did you feel the night went for you? Yeah, yeah, I think when they, uh, a little bit of a vote of confidence from those guys, um, hopefully took advantage of it a little bit. But, I mean, it's first game, so um, definitely some rust and hopefully just build on it. How does it feel to play on that power play? There's a lot of skill there. It's an opportunity you didn't really get last year with the HL guys. Is it nice to kind of get a chance with that group? Yeah, yeah, I think um, there's a ton of skill on that unit. I think it's kind of my job just to distribute there. Um, you got PD on the flank and then G on the other side, so I can't really make a bad decision with the puck. Um, I think i got to be a little bit more of a shot mentality when I do get it, but um, like I said, that, that comes with time and game reps. What about chemistry with uh, Luke now? You've been on through training camp, a couple scrimmages, but you actually get into a game. How did it feel? Yeah, it was good. Um, a lot of dialogue on the bench, um, a lot of talk on the ice. Uh, it's it's something, like I said, that once we, once we get a few games under our belt here, I think we can just add to that chemistry and um, hopefully build on what we've been doing so far in Whistler. Jack, is that part of uh, playing your own zone? I mean, there's one play where they had a two-man forecheck and you were just patient with the puck and kind of slipped it over to Shanner in the corner. Is that just communication part again yeah yeah I think like I said that's that's him making life easy on me um you know I hopefully can make a a nice enough read at some point but um when he's giving you that option and pretty vocal about it it makes life easy on you so it was uh credit to him on that one 
You said the other day in Whistler, it's your job to force management's hand. Like, do you come to camp with the mentality that you're an NHLer now? Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, if you don't, then why come to camp? You know, it's. Um, I think everyone's goal coming in here is to make the NHL club. I don't think anyone's goal is to just have a good five days of fun and skate around a little bit. It's you come here to make the 23-man roster, and um, I think that was that was my mindset all summer. And like I said, hopefully we got some exhibition games here to um, play play well and play a little bit more and um, show them what I can do. That is Canucks defenseman Jack Rathbone after a 3-2 Canucks loss in overtime on home ice against the Calgary Flames. Satyar Shaw with Dan Richo here on Sportsnet 650. And the thing I like about Jack is, and this is what he's shown all along. I remember talking to him, man, I can't believe you know Cam Bear is sitting here now, but this is almost six years ago now, five years ago, it was our first year covering the Canucks, and the Canucks held training camp in Vancouver, and uh, I remember we, we were sitting here talking to a lot of the guys, and we used to bring them up to – we were broadcasting one of the lounges, mm-hmm. and Jack Rathwell came up and chatted with us in person. He was just going to play in college that first year and everything, and he just exuded a lot of confidence. And for a kid that young, he showed a real desire not only to be good at an NHL player, but a desire to do things the right way. And he was very properly wired. It was really clear that, all right, like – Forget the talent and all that sort of stuff. This guy seems to have the right mentality. You never know where it's going to go. Then you hear him talking right now. We'll see where it all goes with him, but he's certainly a guy who understands exactly what he needs to do, and he understands how to get there. Now it's a matter of executing that. Yeah, the opportunity is so clearly there for him this year. The team is trying to see how much he can take. Can he fill a bit of a role on the penalty kill if we tap him on the shoulder for that? Um Right now, I I just don't see a world where the Canucks don't have Rathbone and Shen as their third pair. Like I don't know what that means for Tucker Pullman. I don't know what that means for Danny DeKaiser. But right now, my sixth defenseman going into the season would be Quinn Hughes and OEL, Dermot Myers, and then Rathbone Shen. So you put Pullman right now as your extra D? After what Shen showed last year? Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen Pullman yet. Are you going to relegate Shen to the the bench? Well, the press I mean, box? I don't know. Maybe. I might. I'm, I, wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be against doing so necessarily. I like Luke Shen and everything that he's brought. Toughness and all that sort of stuff. But if Does Pullman, Luke Shen have a spot on this roster without Quinn Hughes? Is, is maybe what you're thinking? I'm just thinking if Tucker Pullman's healthy. Yeah. He's probably a better player than Luke Shen still. Yeah. Luke Shen played really well last year. A lot of credit. He, him and Quinn Hughes played really well together. So m- maybe I But I'm not sure if like, you can expect him to be able to do that without somebody named Quinn Hughes. And I think Pullman's still yeah. the better player when healthy. Is there a regular spot in the lineup for Luke Shen unless he's paired with Quinn Hughes? That's a fair question. Yeah. And I think a lot of that, and we didn't see Tucker Pullman tonight. We didn't see Tucker Pullman playing in Calgary either, so we haven't seen his progress. And in training camp, it was kind of slow going, but got a bit better. We talked to Ian McIntyre, mentioned that day two and day three. It's one of those things where the team has made it very clear they view him as a potential top four defenseman. Now, is that just posturing, saying the right things, or is that something they actually believe? And I've asked around about Pullman, and that's not 
it's not lip service. That what they say about him being capable and maybe he can play a role for us. It's not just them just saying that. So I think as long as he's healthy, I think he's got a real chance of being able to knock whether it's Dermot or whether it's whether it's Shen or perhaps even Jack Rath when he was not ready to go and start the season if he's healthy. So this is ultimately what it always comes back to. Like, who do you play with Myers then? It feels like like that's been the biggest question mark about Myers' entire Canucks career. Like, who do you pair him with? It's probably not going to be Dan DeKaiser. No. Even Boudreaux said tonight. They were not great. No, and and he and you know what Boudreaux did kind of take a beat and say, you know, it's you got to take care of some time and all that sort of stuff. But it, it was very much, yeah, like we mentioned, really rough first period. Got a bit better as the game went on, but didn't exactly quit himself well tonight. He wondered if DeKaiser was nervous. You know, he's never been on a PTO and it stuff sounded like that. It sounded like a coach who didn't want to say anything negative about a veteran who's played hundreds of NHL games as well-respected around the league and that he has a level of respect for. I yeah. think that's what it was more than anything. If that was a rookie or a guy who hasn't played a lot and he asked him about his performance, probably would have been a bit more blunt. Would be my guess. I'm not going to speak for Coach Brudrow, yeah. but that's the way it came off. That's uh, the reading between the lines of it. Um, and, he, you know, he's not wrong. <laughs> it's, it wasn't uh, too hard to, to see that those two really struggled tonight. So this, uh, obviously injuries are, are a big question mark now with Mikheyev and Brock Besser, uh, who's day-to-day. But um, injuries are always going to be the biggest question mark through preseason. But I think this and... Is essentially the biggest question mark for the team going into the season is how do you line up the defense beyond Quinn and OEL, assuming that works. Yeah, and and that's still an assumption. And as much as the team is trying it out, and a lot of good returns as uh, training camp went on, and we'll see, you know, maybe even on Thursday when the Canucks take on the Kraken, OEL and Hughes playing together. But there's no guarantee yet those guys are gonna stay on the same pair and that Quinn is going to stay on the right side. So a lot of things remain unsettled still on the back end. Not in a bad way. I think, if anything, it provides a lot of intrigue for us the rest of this preseason. So who's going to be making the team here? Who's playing with who? And if Hughes is on the right side, what does that mean for the rest of the defense? Whereas the forward groups, what's the big question here? Is Kuzmenko ready to start the season in the top nine? Probably the answer is going to be yes. And the the only other two questions are, is Niels Hoaglander going to make the team? Which I still say yes. I mean, and, and who's, given the injury situation, it's uh, maybe it is right. Looking more and more likely every day. And who's your thirteen forward? It's not a lot to be. Like, it's pretty much settled, more or yeah. less, on the forward group. The defense, whether it is who's going to make the team, who's in the top six, and whom is playing with whom, a lot of things still to be figured out. Yeah, how do you set them up? How do you pair them? I think is is the biggest question mark for me and. Uh, also, uh, this won't get answered until the season starts if they go into the season with it, but is OEL and Hughes as a pair good enough to essentially you know, put your best two defensemen on the same pair rather than spread them out a little bit? Yeah, do you get so much value from those two guys that it that everything else it doesn't matter it, as yeah. much, right? And we'll find out. A lot of questions yet to be answered. Only the first day of the preseason for the Canucks. We have another broadcast coming up on Thursday when the Canucks take on the Seattle Kraken here uh, at Rogers Arena. All right, more coming up uh, tomorrow tomorrow morning with Halford and Bruff right off the hop. Myself, Satyar Shah, and Dan Richel will be back on Canucks Central tomorrow 3-5. to five. Special thanks to Cam Barra. 
our manager and executive producer here at Rogers Arena and Justin Morissette back at the station. And thanks to you for listening and being part of the postgame show. Thanks as always, and we look forward to chatting with you again. This has been the Canuck Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650.